All right, guys, welcome back to Southeastern 14 here with Max Barr once again as we continue our position rankings for SEC basketball entering the 23-24 season. If you haven't already, check out our point guard, combo guard, and wing ranking videos. We've done all three of those so far. Now we make our way to the power forwards or whatever you want to describe some of these guys. At. Again, we're, we're doing this in the era of positionless basketball. If you want to call them power forwards, combo forwards, um, big forwards, whatever you want to use, just you can use any of these categories to describe these guys. But uh, Max, as we said on the last one, um, we've had some, you know, we're like, man, it's really hard to leave this guy off, leave that guy off. And sometimes it's been a little clouded trying to figure out exactly how to narrow like our top five or top six or seven or whatever number we came up with on the previous ones. But this one, I told you, I said, when I put my five here, which the caveat's going to be, it's actually going to be six. And we'll explain why in a second. But I said, I feel pretty good about there being like a clear top five slash six, which we'll explain that. Um, and then kind of being the guys that we'd probably group in that honorable mention category. So we're going to jump right into the rankings. I know sometimes we started with honorable mention. Uh, but we're going to go right to Max's list here uh, and start at the bottom as we rank our power forwards in SEC basketball. Yeah, let's let's get right into it. Um, probably my favorite position group just because of the the hot commodity that is the stretch four. You're not yeah. gonna you're not gonna have three on each roster, um, so these guys are really talented and really uh, important to their squads. Um, so just to start off, kick right into the top five here. Let's get it going. Number five, I've got DJ Jeffries, mm. Mississippi State, and he's just a little bit of a junkyard dog, a little bit of everything. <laughs> I I think that when you look at Mississippi State's roster from last year, you're carrying over a lot. You know what you're going to get from Tolu Smith, you know, back to the basket five. You know what you're going to get from Cam Matthews, and they brought in some good shooting. A little bit of an X factor on this team is DJ Jeffries. He's shown he can flash into the 30% range for threes. He can, he, If he does improve that three-point percentage coming into this next year, can space that offense a little bit more. He was top 10 in the, con in the conference and rebounds last year. Um, only three guys are returning from the – top 10 rebounders in the SEC last year, and two of them are on Mississippi State. So I like Jeffries. I think he's just – he's everything you want in a, in, a, in a power forward. You know, brings that toughness, brings that rebounding, and then a little bit of shooting also. Yeah. Hmm. So we've already got a little difference on our list. I thought maybe we would not, but there is. So I, I – We're going to have difference. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, I can – now I can see it. So – I have Jeffries just outside probably what I would group as my top five. As we always say, Max is going to have a much better defined one through five than I am. You guys know I go back and forth. I can't make a decision on these guys when I rank them. So, but I had Jeffries just outside. It's probably the number six guy I would have on my list um, because there were just, there were five other guys that I decided to put in front of him. But like you said, think about this with DJ Jeffries. He's played four seasons in the SEC, averaged at least 26 minutes per game every single season he's played. He's averaged at least about nine points a game every season. Average more than four rebounds every game per season. Average at least two assists um, every season. Um, so, yeah, like this guy can block shots too. Hasn't blocked him in the past couple of seasons, but he is a stat stuffer. And I think yeah. that is, and I can understand why you would have him here. Like I said, I would not have him that far out. I just ultimately put one guy in front of him that I thought I needed to put on my list. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's, I think he will be a major part of that Mississippi State team again this season, just as he has been the past four years. Um, and, you know, again, it's the luxury of having a guy now for a fifth season that's already played this many games in this many minutes. So I like it. Um, yeah, like I said, I could certainly justify putting him uh, in my top five as well. So 
Well, you said you have them right outside. Right. So who do, so, you have, who do you have at five? So here's where, once again, here's where I start to try to figure out who I'm going to put where. Now, I'm curious if you have Jalen Williams in oh. your top five. Oh, I do. Okay, so I I'm just making Jalen. sure. All right, so I'm just Jalen. making sure you have yep. him in your top five because I was worried that maybe you're going to leave him out. Um, so I, I told you before we started recording, right? Grant Nelson's one to me that because he hasn't played in the SEC yet, and I think we can say this about two other guys we're going to mention here in a minute, but it's a little bit different um, because I think he's someone that I don't, and maybe this kind of just leads us to wherever you have him on your list. Um, I don't know where to put Grant Nelson. So I think ultimately for me, kind of putting him in this five-ish range is what I settled on because I don't know where to put him. Just full disclosure. Like I think he's a hard one to rank, um, but I think he will have a huge season for Alabama. I just don't know that I could have put him, mentioned Jalen Williams. I would have him higher. Um, there's, again, several other guys I would have higher probably because I've seen them in the SEC. I've seen them produce, um, you know, multiple kind of seasons. And like I said, there's going to be two guys that that does not apply to here in a minute, but we'll explain why. Uh, but Grant Nelson was a hard one to place for me, so I I may just put him at five just because I don't know what else to do with him. So No, that's – He's right. I had him at five for a while, and I actually bumped him out to six. Yeah, I'll mention. But let me just give you a little breakdown here. So Grant Nelson last year, seventeen point nine points per game, nine rebounds per game on thirty minutes. That's that's very good. But that was a big leap from what he did in twenty twenty one. In twenty one, he was at five less minutes a game. Okay, so less time on the court, but only 11.6 points per game and 4.9 rebounds per game. He almost doubled his points and rebounds in one year. That's a really big jump. Um, 2020 is only at six points, three rebounds in 21 minutes. So like the the eye test, the talent, the flash, the everything he does at his height that looks so good has always been there. But like the actual production only really took that big jump this past year. Now, let me compare him to another guy that also came into the SEC um, from a transfer a few years ago. Okay. So last year, two years ago, uh, Grant Nelson at 11 points per game. All right. This other guy, 7.7 in the, in his first year in the SEC. Okay. So if you look at them in the 2021 season, Grant Nelson's having a little bit more production, but at a lower level, one guy has a year in the SEC already. Okay. Last year now, Grant Nelson blows up 18 points per game. He's going off. He's on all these highlights. This other guy I'm referring to has a second year in the SEC. Now in the SEC conference play, he has 13 points a game, six rebounds, 35% from three. So in my head, who would I rather have? A really good, highly, highly touted transfer coming in that's going to go into his first year in the SEC or a guy at the same position group that's been in the SEC for two years already and just put up four points less per game last year with a better three-point percentage. Who would I rather have? I'd rather take the guy that's already been there in the SEC, been there, done that. That guy's Jamin Brakefield. Mm. Wow. Okay. So <clears throat> Brakefield came from Duke, and that wasn't a Shire Duke. That was a Coach K Duke team that he came from. Okay? So that's why I have Brakefield at four, and I bumped Grant Nelson back a little bit just because – Brakefield's been in the SEC, been there, done that, produced, has already proven it. Grant Nelson just hasn't proven it to me yet. A lot of times with these transfers coming in from mid-majors, we say, like, just chop their stats in half and kind of you'll have an expectation of what they're going to do. I think Grant Nelson's – I don't 
think you're going to chop that 18 and a half. He's going to be a single digit scorer, but still, I mean, he's not putting up 18 and nine next year. And uh, I don't think Brakefield gets worse at 13 and seven in conference. So that's why I have Brakefield in my top five and Grant Nelson outside. This is not going the way I, I thought it would, because I thought you and I would have a very similar list so far. You've got two guys on yours that I don't have on mine. So, um, because I had Brakefield right there with Jeffries in terms of that six, seven spots. So, he really took a jump in conference play last year. He did. And I think you and I have talked about Ole Miss. Everyone, trust me, we've, we've heard people know we're high on Ole Miss. And, Sorry. um, look, I mean, he's got the skill set, right? You look at his numbers to fit into a Chris Beard type team and how they want to play. I would have to believe he's going to be a huge asset this old Miss team. So you may wind up being right about this. And I may be the one that looks back and said, well, how'd I leave that guy off there um, heading into it? So yeah, I, I like that one. And you know, again, maybe this is not exactly the clear cut top five that I expected it to be. So, all right. So as I said, I didn't know what to do with Grant Nelson. So I put him at five um, just because I think the potential's there in that Alabama style of play for him to, to put up huge numbers. Um, so this is where things start to get interesting for me. And I think here's, I'm just going to say it right now. I think I'm going to have a number one that I worry you may not even have on your list, but we're going to oh, see boy. if that's the case. I don't think it is because I, I just don't think it's going to be the case, but I'm very curious to see. So this is where I have the Jalen Williams type, right? Like, and like I said, I've, I've switched him back and forth. And when I get to, Number three, we're going to explain that one a little bit, but I could probably make the argument to put Jalen Williams at three and move my current number three to four. Um, because if you look at the way Jalen Williams finished last season, and really the entire season, but really just look at the way he finished last season, right? Um, I mean, he just became a guy that Auburn just leaned on time and time again. Um, and, you know, I think you talk about guys that sort of can make a jump, right? And we saw him make that jump you know, last season. And he's someone else too. I mean, think about the number of minutes he's played in the SEC now, having been at Auburn for four seasons, didn't play much his first season, but I mean, last season plays about 28 minutes a game, um, shot about 47% from the floor was someone that could make a three uh, if needed. Um, and so I think it's, it's one of those things with him where I think he's got the potential to be even higher on this list. Ultimately I kind of settled on putting him here. Uh, but I really like his game. Chris and I have always said, we talked about last year, if you're watching our channel, I'm pretty sure we had him, we had him to start the season on our all underrated team. But by the end of the season, we're like, we can't put him on the all underrated team. I don't think because he's not underrated anymore. Like he's, he's someone that everyone should know about by then. So uh, he's made a big jump. I would have to believe he makes another big jump this season. And um, I think he is all sec type guy um, this year. So I could, again, I'll, I'll put him at four for now, but I could definitely move him up. So I'm surprised you thought I would leave Jalen Williams out. I, well, look, the way this thing started, as I said, I, I oh, truly I thought we could have the same top five in a different order, but we've gone a couple picks in here and that's not been the case. So I didn't know. I wasn't sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I actually have, I have Jalen a bit higher than most. Um, yeah. We'll get, to, we'll get to him down the road. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm really high on, on, the Auburn front court as a whole this year. I think that's a very strong group in this conference. Um, just keep on rolling here, move up to number three. Now this is where we get into a little bit of the gray area with this positionless basketball that we are now playing. Mm -hmm. And Blake and I were talking right before we went live here and we kind of grouped together two guys. 
Um, and that's the Kentucky front court, Aaron Bradshaw and Trey Mitchell, uh, because they're, they're both not traditional five men, but we might see one of them playing the center, the center position on the court, but put them on almost every team in America. They're playing that four spot. Um, Aaron Bradshaw has this in the injury that's kind of been just question marks everywhere. I pray to God that we see a lot of Aaron Bradshaw. We've seen uh, who's the uh, agency that the the sport agency that covers a lot of uh, he did uh, Chris Livingston did a few other guys. They did a few other guys that when they had a little injury, they just shut them down the whole year. Yeah, that's you right. Know? I know you're talking about. Yeah, you shut them. I can't, I'm, just, I'm throwing a complete blank right now, but they just shut them down the whole year. And Bradshaw is with that same agency. And I just, I'm please let the kid play. He's so talented. Um, but yeah, I want to hear your take on Trey Mitchell because I know that you have watched him a little bit in the past. So I'm going to be honest with you. So I, I said a minute ago, this was going to be my number three explanation. I'm actually moving these guys up to number two. Um, so again, Kentucky stock, in my opinion, is rising here. Right. I think I'm going to move them up to two because. I actually think the guy I had it to, um, which I'll explain in a second, I would probably group more into the Jalen Williams type. Um, and that's not a bad thing. It's just I think those are two guys that will play similar roles on their specific team. So I just think the overall talent, and like we said, it's kind of not fair, right? Because we're using two guys here. Yeah. So it's kind of cheating, which, again, guys, this is just a ranking. This isn't a science. Um, but so I think with Trey Mitchell, what what does he bring? Right. Well, here, here's exactly what he brings. He brings the whole conversation we've had proven contributions at a high level. And I think that's why it's easier for me to rank guys like that. And that's why, look, if we wanted to put it solo, if we just wanted to take Aaron Bradshaw out of the mix, I think you could make an argument to put Trey Mitchell in the top two or three and say, hey, here's a guy because of what his role is going to be on Kentucky. Four seasons now, I mean, what, he's played, I mean, three of his four seasons in college, he's played at least 30 minutes a game. He's averaged at least 12 points per game. Um, good rebounder, average at least what seven rebounds the first couple seasons, average like six last year. I mean, he he's another guy that just fills the stat sheet, right? And you know, a six nine type guy that can just he can do a lot of things. And I think that's why to me, we talked about it probably during the summer, I'm sure at some point. The Antonio Reeves thing was big to get him back, but getting Trey Mitchell, I think, was just as important. Maybe some people make the case more important just because of what they needed. They needed another proven guy. And here's a guy who comes from West Virginia in the Big 12. We're SC, I'm an SEC guy. Everybody knows it. Big 12 has been the best basketball conference in the country, in my opinion. And so I think there is something to that. And so I'm big on Trey Mitchell. Like I said, if we wanted to rank him solo, I could justify putting him in my top three. Um, but if you add the Aaron Bradshaw element in, that's why I ultimately decided to move them to two. Because I'm like, whichever guy it is, and you mentioned there, who knows? Like with Bradshaw, I I hope he plays too. Because if he does, we've all seen it. If you've watched the highlights, you've seen the, the skill set. You know what he's capable of. Um, and a Kentucky big guy, there's been some successful ones over the years <laughs> that that are pretty good. So I think that is why whoever winds up maybe being this guy, like we said, I know it's a little bit cheating, but I think this this group here, whichever guy maybe falls into that power forward range, I'd be fine putting this high because I think that that's kind of what their role will be on a Kentucky team that, as we said, is going to rely on a lot of younger guys, but at the same time, having a guy like Trey Mitchell and having 
you know, a stud young guy that's seven foot, like, like, um, you know, uh, Bradshaw, it's just, yeah, I mean, you, you can't replace that. So, um, yeah, that's where I'm at on those two. And what I actually wasn't even really <laughs> thinking about much was how Trey Mitchell and Bradshaw is going to help the defense. Yeah. Um, just, you know, being able to switch, uh, the athleticism, how much better they move their feet than they weren't a great defensive team last year. Like they that's something we all talked about. Like we, yeah. you think back to early last year, right? It was a lot of stuff we talked about was their offense is so hard to watch because it's not a good offense. They started to evolve on the offensive side and it helped because they could just rebound the ball from anywhere, especially on the offensive side. I think they finished the top offensive rebounding team uh, in terms of percentage, but like their defense was not very good. And I think that was the thing we talked about. And people had the conversation about Sheevway and all that. And yeah, we're not going to get into all that. But that's where, like you said, if these two guys specifically this season can play that role, that would be significant on a team that has no shortage of offensive weapons. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm high on this duo. And, again, take your pick. Kentucky fans, let us know what you think. Which, you know, where would you rank these two guys? Um, what do you kind of see as their role? We're, we're open for the discussion. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, all right. Top two here. Top two. Okay, so you you put those two guys at three on your list, right? Yes. All right, so I decided to move them up to two. So number three, here's who I have at number three. Yes. Um, I'm going to go Noah Carter at Missouri as okay. my number three. So I think he is someone, and everyone knows my Dennis Gates bias. It's It knows no bounds. But – I just was really impressed kind of with the way he evolved last season. He became someone that was a very reliable score by season's end. You know, had some of those big games earlier in the year, um, became someone that they had a hard time taking off the floor in some of those games. And I think just having him on the roster that they have coming back, I just I was really impl- impressed kind of with his skill set and the way he developed there uh, with that staff and just kind of the style that they play. We know what the Missouri style is. Um, and I think he got better in, in a lot of areas. Sure, like many players, there's probably still some things he needs to work on. Uh, but I think that I was just really impressed with him um, kind of transitioning to the SEC, which, as we know, can take a little time. And I think it took him a little time last year to do that. But once he got going, he kept it rolling. And so I'm going to put Noah Carter at three. Like I said, I had a little trouble with like the Jalen Williams, Noah Carter. Um, I kind of swip, swapped those guys around. And, and as I just mentioned, the Trey Mitchell here and Bradshaw do, I don't know what to do with them. So Ultimately, I'm going to move him up to two. But, yeah, so I'm going to go Noah Carter at three. I just think that, like I said, I was impressed with kind of the way he finished the season, and I think he could have another big year there. So, Yeah, I actually – I had Noah Carter as honorable mention with Nelson and one other guy. Um, Noah Carter, actually, I love my analytics. You guys are never going to get a video without me throwing you some analytics. Um, <laughs> per Evan Maya, the – Offensive efficiency ratings for every individual player in the SEC. Noah Carter was sixth. I know that Missouri offense was just unreal. Um, But I don't really think his efficiency is going to drop too much because they're going to lose so many weapons. They're going to have to lean on Noah Carter a little bit. 9.5 points per game. I will be shocked if that's not double digits next year. Because there's no Hodges. There's no Kobe Brown. I think just by necessity, that number goes up. I think in multiple areas. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to look at it. 12 plus points per game, Noah Carter next year. Yeah. Um, I like that pick a lot. Threes, top three. I like it. 
there you go. So, I mean, look, everyone knows my Dennis Gates bias. I've got to contractually, I have to put a Missouri player in the top three, Max. That's part of my contract, I think, with Missouri. So, um, well, now we can we can backtrack. John Tanji is going to be playing. I, I would put him in the three. All right. We'll get Vanover at the five, Carter at the four, Tanji at the three. There we so go. I'd say I'd say we slide Tanji into that that wing video and we put him in the top six somewhere in the wings. All right, here we go. Your number two is going to be Jalen Williams. Yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jaylen, so now I know our number ones are going to be the same. We, just we, just for record, I know we're going to have the same number one now. So now I feel okay. So. <laughs> just to touch, I know you touched on Jalen a little bit already, but um, seven of his last eight games last season were double digits. Um, he really, he really finished the year strong, and you talked about that with Noah Carter finishing the year strong. I like that; it usually carries over. That's why I like Riley Kugel so much. Finishing the year strong is usually when the competition is at its highest, and the team is leaning on their guys to produce. And Jalen Williams really did that for Auburn down the stretch. Um, I love to rewatch old tournament games. You guys have probably known this by now. Rewatch that Auburn Houston game. Look at what Jalen Williams did in that first half. He absolutely shut down Jarris Walker, was all over the court. He gets two quick fouls to start the second half, three fouls. He's on the bench, and Auburn slips away. Jalen Williams is, is huge for this team. Uh, so that's why I have him at two, just because of his importance to the team. I don't think Chad Baker-Mazzara is going to be that, like, first option at the, at the wing. I think he's going to be more of a 3-and-D support kind of. Um, I think they're going to lean on this front court heavy for scoring. And Jalen Williams, 11.1 points per game last year, just like Noah Carter, I think that goes up. So, I mean, here's what I was just looking at. You think about it, and you're right. And I think, again, I, I could definitely support the number two ranking here. There's no Window Green. Who Every time they found themselves in a position last year where they felt like they had to have a shot, right, it was Window Green. Like, that just became the thing. Unless it was getting it in the post to Janai Broom and letting him do his thing. But right. Window Green was the guy that took – you know, the shots that probably when you find yourself in that situation, Alan Flanagan was an important part of that, you know, puzzle. Those two guys are not there anymore. And you know, Broom is going to get a lot of attention because like I told you, I think Jani Broom is an SEC player of the year type guy right from the jump. Um, and, you know, Katie Johnson's not an outside shooter, um, but he's been there. He's an experienced guy. He'll play. But I think now it opens up that possibility for Jalen Williams to be the guy. That's not Jani Broom, right? And we saw that last year, like you said, the way he finished the season. So I think if he can just expand on that, which I think he will, he is absolutely, like I said, he's an all-SEC guy. I mean, he is – you mentioned – and I, I didn't put it as well as you did, but I think the guys who finished the season with such momentum, you feel like they started to get in a groove, they found something, and now you just build on that in the offseason you carry it over in the next season. And I think the opportunity that's available on this Auburn team – gives him a great chance, I think, to yeah, be a stud at this position. So I'm with you. I think he is um he should have a big year for sure. So definitely. We both got right. one. Here we go. So number one, if it's not the same, I'm gonna I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm no, gonna jump up and number I'll, one. I'll give you the I'll give you the lead here. Number one, we're gonna call the hogs on this one. As I'm gonna head to Fayetteville, Arkansas to pick my number one guy. And yes, I know we only got a glimpse of him last season before he got injured. Um, but now that he is back and, you know, you always have questions, Max, when a guy has to return from an injury like this. But if we're just talking, you know, if we're just making a ranking, right, and we, we can all have different criteria, 
he's number one on my list, and that's Trevin Brazil. I'm putting him at number one. I think he's the guy here. Like I said, I it's interesting because we could have that conversation about what does Arkansas season look like last year if they they have him, right? They get to the Sweet 16 without him. Um, and it's just think about how different some of those stretches were. Remember, Arkansas started what? Was it one in five in SEC play or something like that? It was, um, it was scary. <laughs> it was ugly, right? But <laughs> That's what we've gotten used to at times with Arkansas. That just tends to happen sometimes. Uh, but I just I do think of what he looked like in Maui, and I just think, man, if you give this guy an extra 20 games and he stays healthy and then he comes into this season, like we're talking SEC player of the year type guy. We're talking All-American, which I'm not going to say he can't get to that level. Uh, again, I'm not saying that. But like that would be the discussion we're having right now versus just the – I'm very curious to see what he looks like coming off of injury, but I just think from a skill set standpoint, he's the most talented power forward. If we're going to label him there, which I think is the right place to put him. Um, and so, yeah, I I've got Trevor Brazil at number one. Yeah. He's the best shooter on this team. Yeah. Um, which they so, need. Yeah. That's huge. And you saw two, three years ago when UNC made that, March Madness run out of the eight, nine seed, the best player on that team in the tournament was Brady Manick, this three point shooter from the four that if you're, if your foreman can really shoot it, not just like, you know, he's 32%. If you leave him open, he can knock it down, like really shoot the rock. Um, that's just unreal for the, for the offensive spacing. And, and Brazil's got that 37.9% in his short stint this past year. But if you just look at some of those Maui games, that Creighton game, I mean, oh my gosh, he has he has a like about a five minute unreal highlight tape from last year in like how many games did he play? You know, so yeah, not many. So give him a full season. He was, I would say, I was talking about Rylan Griffin during the wings, and I was like, he just passes that eye test. Man, he just looks good. No one passes the eye test more than Brazil. He just. He looks amazing out there, uh, and I love what he does defensively. Also, he that same thing. We're we we keep talking about offensive production and and what they bring to the shooting and the spacing, but what Brazil does at six ten for the defense, where you can have multiple guys above six ten that can switch. You know, he's not a you know feet stuck in the mud six ten, real athletic. This defense is going to improve. The rebounding is going to improve. The offensive spacing is going to improve. It all kind of starts with Brazil being healthy for this team. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm all over Brazil this year. All right. So, Trevor Brazil, number one on our list. Uh, we, I think, I don't know how many times we've agreed on who's number one. I think we've done it a couple times in this series so far. Yeah. But um, we have them both here at number one. So, Arkansas fans, uh, yeah, we're hoping for a big season. I think from him. All right, Max, let's finish up here with uh, some honorable mention type guys. I mentioned the group earlier. I had kind of a DJ Jeffries, Jamin Brakefield on the outside. I'm going to give you two. Um, some other guys that are kind of in this list for me, Derek Fountain's in there from LSU, BJ Max at South Carolina. Now I think he's an interesting one. We haven't talked about a lot of South yeah. Carolina players, but look, in all honesty, I just, I don't, it's hard to know exactly what they're going to look like this season. Um, but I think he is obviously a very talented player and, and I wouldn't be surprised if he, Kind of a breakout guy. Toby Awaka, I mean, look, we're, we're just going off of what we've seen in the offseason. If if that's all we had, like if we just took that, like he may be top five. Like he, yeah. he may be a guy you just throw in there and be like, hey, we're all in on this guy, which could be because think about this. 
you look at our rankings for the other three positions we've done so far, there has been a Tennessee player in the top two in every single one. Point guard, combo guard, wings. Vescovy, Ziegler, James. So just think about that. If we put a walk in our top five, I mean, it's probably not hard to connect the dots and figure out who we're going to have at number one in our power rankings heading into the season. But we won't do that for now, but I think he's right there just based on the development we've seen. So he's someone I have to put there. Henry Coleman from A&M, we both talked about him. We like his game, um, but maybe just a little outside this other group. I think Tyree Samuel was someone else we had at the power forward. I don't remember if we had him at the power uh, forward or center. Yes. Um, but And so I'm going to finish my honorable mention with this guy. And you can just take any of these players you want to mention. We don't have to mention them all again, but – my breakout guy for the season, which I think Awaka categorizes that, but I think he may already be there. So I'm going to leave him out of this discussion. Colin Smith, Vanderbilt. Oh, that was mine! (laughs) Look at that. So there you go. So we're we're really, we started off slow here in terms of being on the same page. Now we're completely on the same page. Colin Smith has an opening here. We talked about the guys that are exiting. There's no Jordan Wright. There's no Liam Robbins. We know the guard position is locked in. We, We know Magnon, Lawrence are locked in at the two guard spots. But Colin Smith, someone, minutes went up as they got into SEC play, played a lot of minutes down the stretch. And as a freshman, showcased a lot of things that he could do well and that he was an SEC-type player. I think this season they give him way more opportunity by necessity, but also because I think his skills support it. And I think Colin Smith is someone that maybe by the end of the season we do like our all either underrated team or all breakout team. I think Colin Smith at Vanderbilt finds his way onto that, which you seem to agree with. (laughs) I, I thought I had I thought there was no way you're saying Colin Smith. Mm. Uh yeah, I mean just going I've been going back and watching a lot of SEC regular season games from last year. And every time Colin Smith gets on the floor, you're like, who's that guy? Like that guy looks really good right now. Yeah. Uh he's just got a smooth game. He's six eight. Uh he doesn't look like he's forcing it. He can really shoot the rock. Um, yeah, I'm darn it. I'm all over Colin Smith. <laughs> That's okay. We're using a double stamp of endorsement double, here. Double right? stamp Both of on us. Colin Smith. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. I'm 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 really excited about about Smith. Um, I like how you mentioned BJ Mack, six eight, two seventy. He's not gonna have a real tough time adjusting to the physicality of the SEC. Um it's pretty good at uh Wofford. Um going up the list though, Adu Thierro, Kentucky. Yeah. Um he is a bit of a I wouldn't even call him undersized anymore for the for the four. Um, he had a little bit of a growth spurt this offseason. And on that foreign tour, man, he's just – he can jump through the roof to get rebounds. You know some guys, it's like they just – they attack rebounds. Piero yeah. is is a grinder on the boards. Um, and he can step out and knock down a shot. Um, there's that injury kind of iffiness with Bradshaw and uh, – on Yenso, so we might see Piero yeah. like get some minutes early and then just be too good to take him out of the lineup type of thing. Um, so I really like Piero, and then my I was really trying to deep that deep dive into these rosters and find uh, those redshirt freshmen that might jump out. This position group is is hard. One guy that I really think no one's talking about that might like start every game, R.J. Sunahara, Sunahara, Georgia. From Georgia. Uh, D2 player of the year. I like these. I like when player of the years from different uh, different levels try to jump up. Uh, Sean East had a pretty successful jump last year coming from JUCO. Um, one thing I really like about Sunahara, they won the D2 national championship last year, 36-0. and In his three-year career at Nova Southeastern, they're 90-7. and So this guy was coached really well and knows a winning culture. 
And that is something I like to look for in transfers. Think of Serge Jabari Rice last year with Texas coming over from New Mexico State, a winning program that has been to the tournament back to back. You know, they actually had a they had a win in Serge Jabari's uh, last game at New Mexico State as a 12 seed in March. Um, so I like when a player comes from a winning program. Uh, Sunahara, I mean, we could see him slot in at the four there for Georgia and and play a lot of minutes. Uh, so I like him. And then one last guy I wanted to just touch on real quick is Jalen Graham for Arkansas. Uh, he is every time he steps on the floor, he just he looks really good. He's he's. But then you he'll like make a mistake, you know, or somewhere he'll have a rebounding mishap and must take him out. You know, and you're like, oh, I just want this guy to string together a few nice plays. Um, 5.5 points per game last year, though. I think that increases. If you're getting like eight points per game, six rebounds per game from Jalen Graham, that's what DJ Jeffries did last year. Eight and six, you know. So if you get maybe even take a few rebounds off, eight and four for Jalen Graham, that's a really good contribution off the bench. So, uh, yeah, those were kind of the uh, the outside guys that I wanted to mention. And you uh, had the double stamp there on Colin Smith. No, Arkansas's rotation is always hard to figure out for me at the start it of the is. season. Yeah, because I think because they bring in so many guys, and, and this is not unlike you know Kentucky at, at points. But I think you brought that up kind of with Arkansas. I, I think they're they're always hard because you know we we see it like with Muss. He likes to really you see early on in non conference play. They'll definitely experiment with a lot of different stuff, and yep. like most teams do. But um, so I, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens there with some of those guys like that. That. Maybe people are projecting further down uh, in the rotation, but can definitely, as we've seen before, play a significant role. So there you go, Max. There are our power forward rankings for SEC basketball entering the 23-24 season. Um, and as always, be sure to check out all the other stuff we've done here on the channel. Basketball-wise, we said point guards, combo guards, wings. We've done all those. We'll have centers to wrap it up. So if you did not hear one of your favorite big men uh, in this episode, that means they're probably going to find their way on the centers list. So just keep that in mind uh, as we do that here. We'll have that up for you soon as well. All the football stuff on our channel right now, guys. I mean, there is a ton of football stuff to get you ready for the start of the season. We got predictions. We got rankings. We got all sorts of stuff there. So hit that subscribe button. Yes, maybe by the time you watch this, we will be at 10,000 subscribers. Uh, if not, uh, shortly after, we appreciate all you guys. Uh, we know basketball was kind of one of the first things on the channel that you guys really leaned into before we started kind of really pumping up uh, daily football stuff. Uh, so we we appreciate you guys following for as long as you have. So, uh, again, for Max Barr, Blake Lovell, we appreciate you guys watching. Hit that subscribe button, and we will talk to you again here soon at Southeast.